You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. God will absolutely not remain silent indefinitely. He will choose the time, and when He does, it will be perfect, and He will always ultimately have the final word. God rules over all and overrules all. As painful as it can be in the times we need it most, waiting on God to respond or move in our lives during difficulty always pays off in the end. As Pastor J.D. will remind you in his message today, God rules over all and God overrules all. In his study, you'll be encouraged to take heart in knowing that God never forsakes his own. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 76 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Prayer's a dialogue, not just a monologue. So I'll have my Bible software open and I will just, you know, seek him, petition his throne, say, okay, Lord, I mean, I don't know what to do about this. You do. What do you want me to do? And then he'll speak chiefly through his word. And sometimes it'll be that one Verse, a word fitly spoken, a prophetic word, really, that speaks very specifically to that situation. Oh, thank you, Lord. Sometimes the answer I'll get is, wait. Just wait. Don't do anything. Don't say anything. Don't reply. Oh, how many times have I sent an email that I wish I could unsend? Man, once you click that mouse or touch that that trackpad and push send. I've never regretted an email that I didn't send. And conversely, there have been so many times that I've regretted an email I did send, or something I said. I wish I could unsay it. You can't unsay it. You said it, man. And how had I but just waited for the Lord patiently and not rushed ahead of Him to fill in this blank line? Because I was, you know, we're always taught growing up, don't leave the line blank. If you don't know the answer, guess. On a job application, don't leave a blank, they'll think you forgot it. So put N-A, not applicable. Just don't leave that line blank. Whatever you do, don't leave the line blank. Put something there. So that's what we do. We try to fill in the blank. The Lord saying, why don't you let me put the, the right answer on that blank line in your life? Just let, wait for me to do it. It's like you push the hand of God out of the way. No, I got it. 
Here's the bottom line. We'll move on to Psalm 76. I, I really want to get to Psalm 77 tonight. If we don't, that's all right. We'll just have to wait <laughs> patiently till next week, Lord willing. But here's the bottom line. God will absolutely not remain silent indefinitely. He will choose the time And when he does, it will be perfect, and he will always ultimately have the final word. God rules over all and overrules all. And we're going to again see that in Psalm 77. So let's tackle Psalm 76. Verse 1, again, to the chief musician on stringed instruments, another psalm of Asaph, a song. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the arrows of the bow the shield and the sword of battle, Selah. You, verse 4, are more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted, verse 5, were plundered. They have sunk into their sleep, and none of the mighty men have found the use of their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse were cast into a dead sleep. You yourself are to be feared, and who may stand in your presence when once you are angry? You caused judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment, and He will arise to judgment to deliver all the oppressed of the earth, Selah. Verse 10, pay particular attention to verse 10. We're going to talk about this. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. With the remainder of wrath you shall gird yourself. Make vows to the Lord your God and pay them. Let all who are around him bring presents to him who ought to be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is, and some of you are going to really appreciate this word, because we've talked about it, awesome. He is awesome. He is awesome to the kings of the earth. Why do I make such a big deal about the word awesome? Because as I've shared, it's a word that we have marred. We have used this word reserved, I believe, only for God, and we have brought it down, profaned it, made it common, and used it for man. And in so doing, we have lost what the meaning of the word is. To be awesome is to be in awe. 
to be in awe. God, I am in awe of you. You are awesome. Let's talk about this verse 10 where Asaph is inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen the words about how God will surely make the wrath of man to praise Him. What does that mean? That means, see it this way, that means that God can take and make the evil of man to serve His end in the end, so that at the end we praise Him. I was having devotions with my daughter, and and we were talking about Joseph. And I was kind of setting the stage about, you know, how it all went down, and and how it all came to this point 17 years later. And he has been on the receiving end of unspeakable evil at the hands of his brothers, who left him for dead, then sold him into slavery, betrayed him. When we were there in the book of Genesis, for those of you who were with us, oh my goodness, how many years ago was that? We were in Genesis. At this rate, we'll be through the Bible in the year 2000 and. 46. Isn't that the year, Tom? 2046. So, but it's very detailed in the narrative. We're told that when Joseph was in the bottom of that pit, before they sold him into slavery, and we'd end up in Egypt. Talk about God ruling over all and overruling all. God, it was, I mean, God's going perfect. Everything is going perfectly according to my plan. If there was ever a man that, like Job, could have complained about why God was allowing all of this to happen to him, it was Joseph. Never once do we hear even the mention or the hint of a complaint on his part. And that was just the beginning of the story. I mean, it it goes from bad to worse. He gets to Egypt, and then he's a slave, and then he gets promoted, because this is a gifted and called man of God. And everything he touches is blessed, because it's the blessing of God on his life. And he catches the attention of his boss, one Potiphar, who puts him in charge of everything. The only problem is he's got a a wife who is, uh, we're told, seducing him every single day, every single day. And on one particular day she gets all of the servants out of the house and then she throws himself at him. And I was very careful and generic in this particular part in my uh, devotional with my daughter. You know, I didn't want to get too graphic, but basically she's, uh, you know, saying, hey, nobody's here. And his response is, I could not do this evil to the Lord. And he runs. And what does she do? She grabs his coat and falsely accuses him of attempted rape. He should have been killed. That was a crime punishable by death. But Potiphar knew, believe me, he knew his wife, and he also knew Joseph. And he knew Joseph would never do that. He knew his wife would do something like that. 
So instead of killing him, everything's going perfectly according to plan. He throws him into prison, this dungeon, and there he interprets the dreams of two men. He interprets their dream, and sadly he says, you know, to the baker, you're dead. He says to the butler, you're going to be restored. And by the way, butler man, when you are restored, will you remember me? Because I'm here unjustly. I've been falsely accused of a crime I did not commit. So what happens? He gets restored. He's now the cupbearer again for Pharaoh and completely forgets Joseph. And here he is left to rot in this dungeon. Don't imagine being incarcerated like we understand being incarcerated today. You were thrown in this dungeon to die. That's it. That's how it ends. So what does God do? Just wait. No hurry, no worry. Everything's going perfectly according to plan. When the time came, not a moment too soon, God's never late, God's never early, He gives Pharaoh a really intense dream. And Pharaoh goes to his men and he says, I'm not even going to tell you what the dream is. If you really uh, are who you say you are, you're going to tell me what I dream, and then you're going to interpret the dream. And they're all going, it ain't going to happen. And that's when our butler friend says, oh, wait a minute. I know somebody that can tell you what your dream was and interpret the dream. Well, what are you waiting for? Go get him. Well, he's in prison. You'll have to sign his release, his weekend pass. (laughs) Brings him before Pharaoh, and God gives Joseph Pharaoh's dream, and then he interprets the dream and says, here's what's going to happen, and here's what what you dream, and here's what it meant. The seven lean cows, that's seven years of famine that will come subsequent to the seven fat cows, which are seven years of plenty. You need to store up during the seven years of plenty so that you have enough during the seven years of famine. Pharaoh's gone, you're hired. He becomes the most powerful man in the world, the known world, next to Pharaoh, who they actually saw as a god. Everything's going perfectly according to plan. So now the famine has reached the land of Canaan, and dad says to his brothers, hey, uh, you need to go to Egypt and get some grain. I hear they have stores of grain. So they go to Egypt, and who should they, what a coincidence. Right? What a coincidence. Wow. What are the odds? So they they don't know it's Joseph. Joseph knows it's them. He gets a little bit emotional, you might say. And he starts accusing them of being spies. And they protest, no, our dad sent us. That's, That's his dad. They don't know it. We have brothers. Oh, really? Okay, I'll tell you what, if you're really not spies, you're going to leave one of the brothers here. You're going to go back and get your youngest brother. That was his biological brother, by the way, Benjamin. So they go back, he puts the money, that freaks them out. Because now they're like, oh my goodness, we paid him the money, and not only do we have the grain, we have the money. And they go back to dad and say, okay, here's what happened, here's what went down. Dad says, um... (laughs) I've lost Joseph, as far as he's concerned, as far as they're concerned, Joseph's dead. And now you want to take Benjamin? 
And he says, and the, the, the text doesn't even really capture the intensity of it. He says, everything is against me. He has no idea what God is about to do. He reluctantly sends Benjamin back with them. They show up. Joseph meets with them. And he becomes so overcome by emotion. you got to know, he loved his brothers so much. When he's in that pit, I forgot to mention this, the text says he was screaming, crying, why are you doing this to me? He's pleading with them. So he has to actually excuse himself. He goes into another chamber, and he's wailing so loud, certainly his brothers heard him. So he tries to dry his eyes, perhaps unsuccessfully. He goes back into the chamber where his brothers are, and he reveals his identity to them. It's me. And (laughs) they become so fearful, like, uh uh-oh. In fact, it's interesting, on the way back the first time, I think it's Judah, says something to the effect of, what's just happened to us, we have to go back and get Benjamin, explain this to dad, what's happened to us is God punishing us for what we did to Joseph. So now, can you imagine what was going through their minds when the most powerful man in the world is the brother that they did this to, that they thought was dead? And they're so fearful, like, okay, he, all he, he doesn't even have to say a word. He snaps his fingers, it's off with our heads. And they knew it. That's how powerful he was. And what does he say? Genesis 50, 20. My favorite verse in all the Bible, <laughs> along with all the other favorite verses in all the Bible. No, but this one in particular. But God, this is the but God verse of but God verses in the Bible. He says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, you, what you did to me, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good, for the salvation of many this day. In other words, God made the evil that you did praise Him, bring glory to Him. That's making the wrath of man, the evil of man, to praise and glorify God. And that's what this psalm is all about. Let me say it this way. It doesn't matter how bad it is, it cannot and will not change how good God is. You know, we flippantly, I'm sorry to say it that way, we flippantly quote Romans 8.28, talk about cliche. We've almost... How do I say it? We've almost gutted out the power of this promise, because we're we're so familiar with it. For we know that God works all things together for the good, 
to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Of course, verse 29 explains and defines what that purpose is. It's to make us more like Christ. That's his purpose. Make us more like Jesus. That's his purpose. But here's the thing. It may be evil. It may be bad. It may be unbearable. But God, as only he can, will make it to praise him. In the end, it will always be for his glory and your good. Period. Yeah, but this is really bad. This is really, really bad. Well, you know what this psalm was written about? It was written about that time when the Assyrian army had encamped around Jerusalem, and it meant certain death. In fact, whenever the mighty Assyrian army would besiege a city, they would just surrender. Some would just commit suicide in order to not be in the hands of the Assyrians who were evil through and through, merciless beyond description. They would impale, skin alive those whom they had captured. It was just evil what they would do. And here they are now, surrounded around Jerusalem. God! (laughs) Uh, No, 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 just, I'll make the evil of the Assyrians to praise me. Watch me now. You want to know how? We talked about this earlier in the Psalms. It's in 2 Kings 19.35. Picture the scene. The Assyrians have encamped around Jerusalem. It's just a matter of time before they capture them and do unthinkable things to them. And God just says, no, 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 no. I'm going to make the evil of man to praise me. You know how I'm going to do it? Oh, it's going to be really cool. 2 Kings 19.35. Watch this. And it came to pass on a certain night, that the angel of the Lord went out. It's not even, we don't even know the name of the angel. It's not Gabriel. It's not Michael. It's, it's not, it's like this trainee, this intern, no name angel, just kind of like, hey, you, what's your name? Let me see your name tag. You get over here. We're going to have you go down and take care of this problem because see, there are 185,000 Assyrians surrounding Jerusalem. I just need one one angel, just one. So on a certain night, the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. He just killed them, 185,000. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. 
Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth.